Hello, beautiful people. How are you all doing today? Jordan is out playing journalist, out playing author, doing some writing. So he asked Grumbine to sit in on short notice. So you've got me and Colin here who's going to get rid of some housekeeping. But beforehand, Colin, it's been good to see you, brother. It's been a few. I mean, I got to do the uh, last time with Jordan, but my God, me and you haven't hooked up. <laughs> That's grumble. Yeah, no, it's it's been a minute. It's been a, uh, I think sounds like busy busy times on both ends as well absolutely but, uh, man it, it's good to be doing some of this stuff again absolutely so hey real real quick just because i want to be crystal clear everybody knows jordan does on the ground reporting and thursday at 10 or 11 59 p.m uh uaw will be finding out whether they've got a contract or not whether they're going on strike uh jordan had planned to cover a strike that didn't happen tonight uh, so you get stuck with Grumbai. Um, but I want to make sure you guys know that Jordan will, in fact, be on the ground. Colin, do you have any details about what he's going to be doing that you want to share? Yeah. So if you guys know the UAW strike, which will be uh, Steve will be talking about here more, actually, in a little bit. But uh, if they do go on strike, uh, we'll know that for sure on Thursday. And if they are going on strike, whether it's against one of the automakers, two or all of the big three, we still don't know. So, but safe to say it'll most likely be some one of those scenarios. But once we know for sure, Jordan will be flying out with John uh, to go and uh, cover the UAW strike. So they'll fly out Thursday. I don't know if they'll be covering stuff Thursday or just getting ready, but then starting Friday in Detroit. So the sort of heart of where it's happening and covering different uh, picket lines and interviewing uh, uh, workers and covering what the uh, factories are doing in the interim because they'll be hiring scabs and stuff. So there'll probably be some stuff there. And if uh, it's an extensive thing, we want to cover more beyond that. For Jordan is planning for one week right now, but Jordan also has a baby and stuff. So he'll have to get back. But Lewis, that you guys all know and like, uh, will be picking up the baton, it sounds like, after Jordan. So we'll be able to have very as much coverage as possible uh, but also obviously limited to um, our funding. So if you guys are able to, statuscoup.com slash join or statuscoup.com slash donate. I'll put the links in chat here a little bit later, but uh, as where you go to both, <laughs> if you're already a member and want to donate, do one-time donation or you can do recurring donations at any interim, like monthly, every three months, every year, whatever you guys want or become a member is how we'll be able to no, basically, if we can do longer trips, more trips, or if we can only do these upcoming trip, and then we have to wait a couple months to do another, that's all dependent on funding from you guys. Yes, 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 yes. All right, so let, let, just real quick before you go, I, I want to let the folks know, one of the things that's important about this strike that hasn't happened yet, but very well could happen, has a lot of energy behind it, um, is there's something very different about the potential for this strike. Bernie Sanders, who is not everyone's favorite person, but wrote a really decent piece in The Guardian that we're going to cover here in a minute. But what they notice, and I think this is so damn important, is there's like three different types of unions, folks. There's the ones that just literally are there to pretend like they have representation. The other one is just a slight step above that, and that's the corporate union that worries about piss breaks and you know whether or not you get a floating holiday and then there's the ones that i really give a fuck about and that is the class struggle unions and the class struggle unions go beyond the corporate floor beyond the industry floor beyond the shop floor and they are broad-based and they connect tissue man they connect to other working movements 
and they create energy for others to take action. They're not just sitting there dinking and dunking about, you know, who's filing a grievance. We're talking about real hardcore class struggle union. And, and what I'm seeing here, based on what Bernie Sanders says, he's kind of calling for this, which is not shocking because if y'all know Bernie at all, he does work with one of the lead dogs in the flight attendant union, and that is Sarah Nelson flying with Sarah on X these days. And also Joe Burns, who, if you guys follow me at all, you know I've covered here extensively recently as well. But uh, anyway, uh, Jordan, uh, Colin, if you wouldn't mind, dude, that's got to be the highest, like, I don't know, is it an insult or compliment I called you for? <laughs> what, 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 do you, what do we do with that? Is <laughs> I, I'll take it as a compliment, yeah. <laughs> we'll take it as a compliment. All right. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and pull up the article uh, for uh, The Guardian with Bernie Sanders, because everybody knows there's a potential strike. I think this is really important. We're just going to go ahead and read through this a little bit. Bernie says the United Auto Workers may soon strike. Every American should support them. Bernie Sanders, the Guardian. And like I was saying, this is so important. It's not just supporting them. It's supporting yourselves. It's supporting us. For, and, and I see somebody out there, Bernie, my good friend, Joe Sanders. <laughs> couldn't agree more, brother or sister. Not sure where you stand, but definitely, definitely agree with that statement. Going a little bit further, let's give credit where credit is due because Bernie is spot on in this article. Go ahead and scroll up a little bit. Go ahead and get past the title. Um, give me the first paragraph, brother. <laughs> All right, there we go. All right, so anyway, he says, in the United States today at a time of unprecedented income and wealth inequality, weekly wages for the average American worker are actually lower than they were 50 years ago after adjusting for inflation. In other words, despite a massive increase in worker productivity, despite CEOs now making nearly four, 400 times more than what their employees earn, despite record-breaking corporate profits, dividends, and stock buybacks, average American workers are worse than they were 50 years ago. Well, fancy that. Fancy that. Anyway, keep going. We're going to keep reading. Skip on down. It says that morally grotesque and growing inequality is exactly what has been occurring in the automobile industry for decades. This time, however, under new union leadership, the members of the UAW are fighting back. If the big three automakers, General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis, do not provide reasonable contracts to address longstanding inequities in the industry. There will be a strike and all of us should support the strikers and goes on and on and on. And what I, what I want to do real quickly is just identify that we have been so cucked out of being really union strong, being cucked out of solidarity, watching fucking assholes splinter us over the most stupid things dividing lines that are just absolutely absurd that the idea of standing with a union that you're not a part of probably seems a little out of place, right? Because you don't have a union. We don't have a union. Us voters don't have a union. Who, who has a union? Well, right now, because our past generation screwed the pooch, forgot to fight for us, forgot to really stand tall, instead started dealing with 401k plans and worrying about their own personal retirement funds. Let all of us suffer, okay, as they started giving us shit for wages, shit for benefits, and worse, zero pensions. So what, what, what do we do? How do we get back to it? Well, guess what? We're going to have to take one for the team here, and we're going to have to stand hard and strong for a union that is not one of us. 
that is beyond us because they represent, in my opinion anyway, the tip of the spear, the tip of the spear, the tip of the iceberg for all the other labor, all the other 99% that needs power, that needs energy, that needs more than just a bunch of platitudes and going to an election booth and clicking, I voted and wearing the stupid sticker on your forehead and acting like you've done something Reality is that this is where the rubber meets the road. Go ahead and bring that article back up, uh, Colin. Anyway, so what I want to talk here about, it, go, get back to the article momentarily. He says, keep going. No, you were right. UA members will be fighting not only for themselves. I love this. This is why I really like this article. They will not only be fighting for themselves, but against a corporate culture of arrogance, cruelty, and selfishness causing massive and unnecessary pain for the majority of working families throughout the country. Their fight against corporate greed is our fight. Their victory will resonate across the economy, impact millions of workers from coast to coast, and help create a more and just equitable economy. What are some of the issues they are pushing for? And see, this is where part of it gets a little teeny bit, you know, weak. They start getting more into their own personal, um, the struggles within their corporation, within their industry. Um, he says, with some of the issues of pushing UAW members to strike, at the top of their list is the extraordinary level of corporate greed shown by industry leaders. Well, you know, what corporation has not been gouging the shit out of us, especially, folks, especially during the pandemic's height? We saw record profits, folks, record profits. We're talking about a thousand percent profit during the fucking COVID pandemic. These bastards have been gouging us to death but more to the point and we're going to talk about this in another article here in a minute wall street has seen this wall street knows and these corporations have been preparing for these kinds of strikes they've been preparing to wait out the workers wait out any kind of labor movement why is that because they have been able to secure all that profit and giving very little to their workers. Very, very little indeed. Let's go ahead and click back over there, uh, Colin. Anyway, the la oh, yeah, he says, yet last year, the big three spent $9 billion, get this, not to improve the lives of their workers, not to make their factories safer but on stock buybacks and dividends to make their wealthy executives and stockholders even richer. Further, while many of their workers are struggling to survive financially, last year, get this, wait, here's, here's the punchline. Last year, the CEO of General Motors raked in about $29 million in total compensation. The CEO of Ford approximately $21 million. At the end, the CEO of Stellantis, over 25 million. Incredibly, over the last four years, CEO pay at the big three has increased by 40%. That's enough of this article. I just want to get back to this, folks. You, if, if I put any other industry at the top of this list, any other one, it would be the same story, wouldn't it? Every single one of us are the 99%. Every single one of us are a worker. Every single one of us represent the proletariat. Every single one of us represent the working class. Now, there was a time when we understood that the working class required solidarity. That solidarity is the only thing that brings change. It's the only thing. But we've got to be an educated group. 
And so what happens right now, as we're watching UAW is probably the only ones in position to strike. I was very, very excited momentarily about the American airlines group had voted for a strike, but just the other day, they're putting out material saying, Hey, we're not really looking for a strike. We're, we're looking for a contract, man. We're, we're looking to make our bag. And that is the difference between a corporate union, a union focused on their own gains only. And if you think back, I want you to take a moment to go back to the Bernie Sanders presidential uh, primary in, for the 2020 race when you watch the people in Las Vegas who said, you know what? We're not interested in Medicare for all because we worked hard for our union provided Cadillac plans. We would rather you go without health care than give up our Cadillac bargain for health care. That is not class struggle unionism. That is a standard corporate freaking union that does what has given unions a black eye forever. In order for us to get back, we have got to stand in solidarity with groups like UAW. So without further ado, let's bring on the next part of this. If you look, what we have got is a presidential race that's not really a presidential race at all. Joe Biden has been lauded as providing the best safety nets in the entire country and the entire history of the universe and the entire history of the Americas and the entire history of civilization, creation, whatever. Joe Biden has been given credit for the best economy of all time. And it doesn't take much to see that it's full of shit. It doesn't make it take much to see that most of us are struggling. That's why UAW is even thinking about going on strike, correct? Ultimately, pull up the Politico article. People are wringing their hands right now that Joe Biden is had this wonderful anti-poverty battle. He's just doing the greatest of all time, the all time. And yet here we are reducing deficits, cutting spending. We're getting ready to hit. What do we call the biggest tsunami of all time when the student debt kicks in and what? Oh, I don't know. It's uh, September 12th. I imagine that's about three weeks away from now. Millions upon millions of people will get slaughtered, slaughtered with student debt payments kicking back in. Okay. And we are not even going to have a primary. We're not going to have anything like that. Why? Because the Democratic Party fought successfully in court that they're a private corporation and have no responsibility whatsoever to hold a primary. They can hand select whoever they want. And right now, Joe Biden's it. And sure enough, sure enough, what do you got? <laughs> You've got a situation, once again, where people still believe in the electoral process in spite of the fact that all the evidence suggests that you can't vote your way to the revolutionary change that the UAW is going to be fighting for, that we would be fighting for as a union of citizens out organizing beyond the uh the duopoly organizing beyond the electoral process ready to freaking take this shit down like a union like a union like uaw go ahead and bring that article back up colin so i want to read this and just let you kind of take a moment to to think about what they're saying and this is like the biggest junk of pro propaganda ever president joe biden's war on poverty is unraveling fast 
just two years ago after orchestrating the largest expansion of the U.S. safety net in half a century, Biden's $2 trillion bet that the big government policies could vastly improve the life for the poorest Americans is coming to a close. The historic injection of pandemic-era aid was, by many measures, a clear success, and it may never happen again. Let, let's, let's stop right there. Let's stop right there. We're going to go grumbine MMT momentarily. And I want you to understand, when they write an article like this, you hear, and it may never happen again. I know for a fact that millions of you, millions and millions and millions of people believe your hard-earned tax dollar, it paid for all that pandemic spending. I'd love to know how we collected that many dollars in tax dollars to pay for that spending, but that's that's one of those logic moments that you have to have that aha moment and you say, wait a minute, hold on, maybe it really wasn't taxes paying for that, was it? Anyway, so what do you have? You have a country that didn't learn the lessons of the pandemic. It was all done under the guise of emergency, but in reality, it could have been every day. It could have been regular life. It could have been, hey, we're going to make sure you have free health care. No, no insurance, no Medicare for all insurance thing. I'm talking about legitimate health care as a right. Could have had that. But alas, they've got you and millions of others believing that your hard-earned tax dollars, hard-earned tax dollars paying for all this stuff when it's just factually false. It's a lie, okay? It's a lie that you've been led to believe. Why? Why do you think that they've been able to give billions upon billions of dollars to the war machine? Why do you think they can give billions and billions of dollars to Elon Musk? Why do you think they can give billions of dollars to Ukraine without raising a nickel in taxes? Why do you think they can just up the ante for the military industrial complex without a single tax hike? I'll tell you why. Because they know you're dumb enough. They know that we're dumb enough as a, as a people to literally believe that they don't have money when they create it out of thin air. So what do they do? They fly in all the people to come in and say, well, you printed money. No, we don't. But they say, you printed money, so we've got hyperinflation. We've got inflation. That's why we have all these problems going on, folks. We printed too much money. So that's where the inflation is. Nobody's saying anything about the 400%, 400% salary increase of CEOs. No one's saying. And we're not talking about nickels and dimes and dollars an hour. We're talking about millions upon millions of dollars in real pay. Not to mention all the stock options and all the other things they get, okay? While simultaneously selling you that to provide you health care. We don't have the money for it, folks. we got to raise taxes. It's going to cause hyperinflation. They count on you believing that shit. Do you ever wonder, do you ever look in the mirror and say, how do they have money for all these things and they don't raise taxes for them? But the minute you talk about something that would help us like ending student debt or, uh, I don't know, healthcare, that they always come to an affordability question. If you ever wondered, if, if you've ever wondered, the answer truly is the country creates its own currency. So what do they do to obscure that fact, to make you believe the country is broke? They put a big sign that says the national debt up there and show it ticking, ticking, ticking. What else do they do? They sit there and they tell you that it's going to cause hyperinflation. So you don't want to do that. So every chucklehead out there comes around. Oh, they printed money. 
They're doing the work for, and then, then <laughs> the best one. But the private Federal Reserve, we're in debt to the private Federal Reserve, the private Federal Reserve. And they got you, and there's no fighting back because you don't have the skill to fight back because they don't teach you economics in school. And when they do teach you is capitalist economics. So you understand how the capitalists think, not how the people think. They don't tell you when you go to school, they don't tell you how money is spent into the economy. They lie to you and tell you they got to sell bonds to create money, which is bullshit. None of it is true. It's literally false, verifiably false. It's so false that this myth has spread around the world. It's spread around the world and Joe Biden's starving ass economy mixed with Republicans and Democrats and all the other people that play the shikaki bullshit game. They sit there and make you think they're fighting, fighting, fighting. But in the end, they're both fighting for capital, folks. They're both fighting for Wall Street and they're both literally elevating the value of stockholders who believe that all these companies that might go on strike, they've already pocketed money to save for a rainy day to outlast those workers. They already know it. And so what do they do? Guess what? In Africa, the iron fist of America has stretched out through the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, and the World Bank, which are the tools of empire, folks. If you hate empire and you're against empire, you need to know about the IMF and the World Bank. These two work hand in glove, and they are an extension, not separate. They are an extension of the U.S. empire. They're an extension of the U.S. military industrial complex because it preys on this. They're an extension of corporations raiding and literally stealing from places like Africa. And we're focusing on the BRICS, which is a great thing. We want the BRICS. We really want the BRICS because the BRICS aren't going to destroy the U.S. dollar. They're just going to give other countries an opportunity to choose to go into debt or to do other arrangements with banks that are more cooperative that are actually focusing on commu uh, community, focuses on uh, bonding, not focus on gouging and destroying. We hope. Some of those details are yet to be worked out, but the IMF and the World Bank are getting ready to come to Africa. And they're going to go ahead and they're going to conduct all these meetings. And the reason they're coming to Africa is because they want to tell Africa how it can survive and it can bring about a thriving economy. Okay. They're going to do this by instituting what they call structural adjustments, where they make the African countries pucker up and they make them open their doors to multinational corporations to come and rape and pillage their land. The U.S. fucking of A, right? This is what we do. This is our chief export, folks, is neoliberalism. And Jolton Joe Biden is presiding over this with the greatest safety net of all time and the most wonderful economy. He's the most progressive president since FDR, okay? And so what's happening right now? Can you pull up the article uh, for Africa and the IMF? Colin, the great Kalinsky. Actually, do me a favor. Yes, there we go. So the IMF... The IMF chief says Africa must do these three things to increase trade. I, I want you to get this. Let's scroll through this. Let's see if we can find the three things, Colin. I, I, I don't have it down since you're running the screen. Let's find those three things. Let's listen. This is going to be so fun. 
Listen, when the, where, where does it say? Where's the three things? According to the IMF, levels of inflation and public debt we're seeing in Africa have not been seen in many decades. Does this worry you? And what are you trying to, do, to achieve during your annual meetings? So first, first things first, just pause right there. You, you don't have to change away from me. Just keep it up like this. Understand this. If the interest rates are high in the U.S., and the U.S. is trying to impose, you know, structural adjustments through the IMF, those interest rates are going to hit the poorest countries, folks. So the cost of everything goes up. So naturally, these people who have borrowed U.S. dollars for things that they could have produced in their own country using their own currency without taking on foreign debt, but because they don't understand and they have been worked over, Many of these countries have been led to believe and their leaders have been led to believe. And many of these leaders are plants by U.S. government and U.S. interests. They come in there and they accept these debts. This is what happened to Thomas Sankara. This is what's happened many, many times around the world. One uh, leader is deposed of killed because they won't accept the debt arrangements or they accept the debt arrangements and then they're gone. And then the next leader comes in and has to literally take on the foreign debt uh, that they have been suckered with from the prior administration. Anyway, so what's happening? Because of Africa's need for value-added services, they are literally being put through the ringer because of U.S. policy. And U.S. policy is to open borders, open uh, trade, open everything. When these countries don't have the safeguards to prevent the gouging and the absolute resource theft, that is going on. Thank you, Joe Biden. Joe Biden's not the originator of this. Joe Biden is simply the next in line for this. The next president will do the same thing and the next president and the next president and the next president because this system that we are in is self-reinforcing. It is not there for you, folks. You don't have to ask questions why they're not serving you. They're not serving you because it's not their job to serve you. Okay, Their job is to serve capital. For Christ's sake, read your Howard Zinn. Read People's History of the United States. You will learn this stuff. I promise you. Anyway, once that's a, get this guy, Mike Holden off here, man. I can't even stand to see him. I don't need to provide any proof. You've been provided proof by every freaking expert under the sun. And you still come back. Ugh. Ugh. God, you got to want to not get it right to keep that up. Anyway, so it says, why is that so critical? Growth needs to pick up. Well, guess what? The pandemic, you can bring me back on, uh, Colin. The pandemic crushed production for a long, long time. And because Africa doesn't produce these value-added services, it needs to purchase them from other places. And because they don't have a strong currency, because they don't have the kind of strength of production, they don't have energy sovereignty, they don't have food sovereignty, they don't have production sovereignty as a whole. And because of that, they are forced to take on debts in other currencies. They're forced to take on debts. And who's there to do it? The IMF, who is going to be coming to Africa to sit there and act like they're doing them a favor. So part number one, they're trying to say is, hey, we've got this inflation problem. We've got to do something to tamp down inflation. What have they done in the U.S. to tamp down inflation? They've raised interest rates. And has that really tamped down inflation? No, it's been a gift. It's been a friggin' handout to the rich. New money creation sent straight to rich people. That's what the interest rate hikes are. 
The next thing that they do is layoffs. They're trying, they've been trying forever to do layoffs, but instead what they've done rather than just layoffs is they've kept costs, they've kept labor price, they've kept payroll down. They've kept our paychecks down. And we're sitting there working gig jobs with no stability, no, no nothing, man. Just fucking deal with it, dude. That's the Biden economy. That is this shitty capitalist economy that we're living in. So that hits even harder in these satellites of the empire, if you will, that are feeding off of IMF debt. Okay, bring that next, bring that back up, Colin. So they, they're talking about growth. So obviously we need growth. So the next thing is it's tough uncertain situation that we're in right now we're seeing so much currency devaluation aka inflation okay and bring me up here for a second so when when you talk about currency devaluation you're talking about countries that are literally unable to buy things in in their own currency they have to trade on the open market and they got to pray to god that their currency holds up. And so oftentimes they will peg one-to-one -one my currency, your currency, United States, and they'll peg it to that. Well, what happens when the U.S. raises interest rates? Everything goes up tied to that. You see the domino effect, okay? Well, what is happening now? Bring it back up. They want to say, hey, you know, we're seeing so much currency devaluation at the same time. We're just seeing so much work that the IMF is doing on the continent. What messaging do you think we'll see coming out of Morocco? I want you to think about it. We're seeing so much work that the IMF is doing on the continent. Think about that. So much work the IMF is doing on the continent. Yes, the IMF is literally, literally strangling Africa literally strangling Africa with its bullshit uh, interest rate hikes and uh, literally extraction of all their goods and services, leaving them with less. I mean, folks, they aren't even having an equitable trade. They're not even dealing like in common way. It's like they're coming in to save Africa from all these horrible things that they have in fact done to Africa. So let's read some more. Uh, the head of the IMF, Georgieva, I, I expect to see a very strong focus on the African continent. It's the first time in half a century we're here. I also expect that we will nurture a common view on how to move the world economy forward. We don't give ourselves enough credit for the achievements we've had. <laughs> we've had, sure you do, guys, you've raped and pillaged the world. The world economy could have collapsed during COVID, but it didn't. Why? Because we came together and we sailed through this crisis together. I mean, folks, this is absolutely 100% the ultimate in lies. People literally read this and they go, oh, what do you mean? The IMF is great. They've been doing all this. They came together. They, they, they made sure that emerging markets and developing economies, the opportunities that the youthful population in Africa provides for Africa and the rest of the world. Folks, you can't make this shit up. They really believe this stuff. Scroll that, get, bring it back, Colin, bring, bring, bring the article back up. So he says, you're talking about the young demographic of the continent, which of course is part of the growth prospects for Africa. But if they don't have something to do and they're not educated, it's as much of a risk as it is an opportunity, right? So 
<laughs> Very much so. This is why the IMF, we have taken the taken to heart working with countries to protect social expenditures and to make the quality of spending in education higher, the quality of spending in the health and social protection higher, because educating boys and girls is a way to increase productivity and unleash the potential for capitalist growth. They didn't say that there, but that's exactly what that is. It's exactly what it is. Anyway, keep scrolling. Don't, don't, don't bring Grumbine back. I'm too ugly for the camera, man. Just bring that back up. It says, with regards to the continental free trade area, are you feeling optimistic that Africa can pull this off? Look at this, free trade. Okay, this is the IMF. They're opening the borders. They're opening the doors for all the transnationals to come and rape and pillage Africa. Just so that they can make profit. And then these fuckers take all that money back to their homeland. And because they made it abroad, they don't pay the taxes on it. They literally steal and plunder from Africa and they're celebrating this as if free markets and free trade are the way to go. And then it comes down, scroll down a little bit further. Just till that uh, headlines at the top. She says, there's some movement and there's advancement in regional context. In other words, the continent also has its own regional agreements. And there we see more traction where there's strong leadership. It always boils down to this. When there is, when there is a will, there is a way. Why am I optimistic about Africa? Because you've got the U.S. military to make sure. Oh, it's a fantastic continent with smart, dynamic people. They're those that would define so much uh, this century. And I wish everybody on the continent, all the success. You could make it successful, George Eva. All you have to do is provide people with universal basic needs, a federal job guarantee, housing as a right, healthcare as a right, education as a right, and ensure that they are not spending all their time on junk trinkets and trash to build your growth agenda. That's what they can do. So you understand all this talk is 100% programming for you to think that they're doing good for Africa. Look what the United States is doing. And for all the normies out there that suck that shit up, that lap that stuff up like mother's milk, that don't listen to it with a critical ear, that don't pay attention with a critical eye, that don't consider what's going on. Why do you suppose Africa, that's got more natural resources in its own ground, than just about anywhere on the planet. Why do you suppose that country is constantly being predated upon? They keep people down. They make sure that they're never successful. And just like the weed industry in the US, they don't want anybody in the lower class to be successful until the capitalists have captured and claimed all the different charters to be able to sell weed in the area, right? This is what they do there. They make sure that all the transnational corporations set up shop. They build their economy to look like the U.S. They Walmart, all in on Africa, baby. Colin, can you bring up the Walmart is all in on Africa? <laughs> you can't beat this, folks. I want you to understand this is not a joke. Walmart goes all in on Africa. 
U.S. retail giant boosts online efforts at mass marts of, as part of renewed bet on fast-growing consumer market. Okay. <laughs> there you go, Johannesburg. Let's just nope, get, get, scroll back down. Scroll back down. There you go. Keep going until Johannesburg's at the top. Nope, keep going. Down, 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 down. You had it. The article is partially blocked. Ah. Okay, that'll do it. Well, I can literally sit there and talk about this without the article anyway. I mean, the fact is, is that, oh, there you go. Thank you, sir. Walmart is one of those transnationals that the IMF is literally helping clear markets so Walmart can come in and predate upon Africa. This is the, this is capitalism, baby. This is the high cost of low prices. This is exactly why you end up seeing what you see in America because we don't produce shit anymore. We want it to be produced outside of here. And if we can't extract their wealth, then we will go ahead and go to war. This is how the U.S. has done this now forever. And you saw it in Iraq. For God's sake, you saw it in Libya. Christ's sake, you saw it in Syria. You've seen it in every Middle Eastern country. Now you're seeing them go into Africa, okay? This is not new. This is not in any way, shape, or form new. But the idea of, quote, unquote, building Africa, right? This is super important to understand because we are in an existential climate crisis. We're not in some sort of a, eh, it's just a little bit of heat wave. It'll get better. We're talking about a seriously hardcore, massive, brutal climate crisis that is going to create problems with flooding along coastal regions across the world. It's going to create deserts where there was once air, uh, land, where there was food growing. We're going to be talking about mass migrations, and we've got so many xenophobes out there, so many anti-immigrant assholes out there that are going to blame, well, you should have made better choices. Well, fuck, the sun's burning up my land. Stay in your own country, you son of a bitch. Blah, blah, blah. Learn the language. Why don't you go to Russia? Why don't you go to Ukraine? Why don't you go to Africa? Go back to your country. This bullshit. Okay, but this is the climate crisis that we're facing. And what do they do? Think about this. In order for us to solve climate crisis, in order for us to help the global south, which is our play plan, we just literally steal from below the equator. Everything below the equator is just open market. It's like it's like a freaking big, huge, ruckus area where we can just walk into stores and grab bread off the shelves and take whatever the fuck we want right out of Africa, right out of the global South. Well, guys like Jason Hickel and the degrowth movement have been pushing for a global reparations. And by doing that, they're saying that the U.S. and the global North that have been living on trinkets and trash and stealing forever to maintain a lifestyle opulent compared to the people in the South. They literally rape and pillage these lands and impose austere conditions on them. Well, we need to flip the script. We need to flip the script. We need to scale down the rich people stuff. You ever seen the picture of John Travolta? Dude's got two fucking airplanes parked in his front yard in his driveway. Not even joking. Two fucking airplanes, like a 707 and a Harbinger. I mean, dude is... Who in the world has two airplanes parked in their fucking yard? Well, the people in the U.S. do. Our billionaire class do. Our fucking rich fucks do, okay? And so does our military-industrial complex. And all the rest of the global north does the exact same thing. 
while Africans are literally sitting there in bare feet, many of whom are starving. Yes, there are pockets of people that are doing well, but that's what happens when capitalism takes over. Most people are starting to realize that when the U.S. offers help, they're offering really slavery. Okay, So they're pushing back. But if you want to see change, if you want to see this change, what you've got to do is you've got to literally scale back consumption in the North. The U.S. has got to scale down. It's not going to. Why? Why should it? It's got the biggest military in the world. Who's going to fuck with it? Are you going to take it on? Run face first into cheese grater? Run face first into a howitzer? No. Most people recognize the U.S. is a big, ginormous police force that prevents other countries from reaching their full potential. Well, it's doing it even more so by burning up more than its fair share of fossil fuels. The real theft is in the economy, in the ecology, in the environment, in the atmosphere that we're polluting by a rate of a billion times more to one, okay? So when the South, when Africa is left sitting there trying to grow, unfortunately, instead of it being able to grow organically, and do it the right way and build from the bottom up and build sustainably. The U.S. is imposing Walmart and the like on them. Mass consumption, growth for the sake of growth, not growth for the sake of food sovereignty, energy sovereignty, for value-added production sovereignty. No, 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 no. They're talking about growth as in buying foreign goods and services, buying Walmart products and services and growing their economy based on that. But the problem is, is that Walmart and the others take more of that money out of the country than they leave in wages and benefit. So the country never grows. It never gets anything from this growth model that the IMF is pushing on and the U.S. is pushing on it. Think about that for a minute. Think about what I'm saying for a minute. Anyway, I had a really cool, you know, I, I was getting ready to really, really rant. and. The problem with really, really ranting is that everything I'm saying is worthy of rant right here. Everything that I've talked about in this episode here at, at Status Q, and don't forget to smash that like button, subscribe, support Jordan, throw some bucks at the at the coup because the guys do the work, man. They put the work in. Jordan has always put the work in. Whether you love his politics or not, I don't hate the haters out there can go hate somewhere. The bottom line is this man does the work that no one else wants to do. Please support this. We need this. We don't have it coming from anywhere else. Okay. But with that in mind, I want you to understand that if you're not pissed, you're not awake. And if you're worried about somebody calling you woke, punch them in the fucking throat because woke is an important thing right now. We need to be woke. You need to be aware of what I just told you about the global North predating on the global South. You need to be aware that the using the IMF as its tool to do this stuff. You need to understand it's not boring. It's important. It's the most important shit going on right now because what's happening isn't stopping climate crisis. It isn't helping us adapt to climate crisis. It isn't providing the goods and services to help poor people in America, much less poor people around the world, much less the working class, a larger picture, survive this shit. It's literally just there so the richest upon the richest upon the richest can make a buck and Wall Street can look for gains. And there are parasites out there that have the information I have that know this stuff inside and out. And instead of fighting against this just disgusting system, they're profiting off of it. And that makes them disgusting as well. It's very important to understand in the end that if we as a 
people, as a movement, as, as, as citizens, as people who are aware of the circumstances. It is our job, regardless of whether you're president, the other president, your local Congress critter or whatever, it's irrelevant whether they are fighting for it or not. We have to, we know much responsibility comes to those who have much knowledge. And when you have knowledge, it is incumbent upon, it is important to fucking put it to use, to build that kind of solidarity. Going back to the UAW at the beginning of this discussion, this is why it's important to stand with the unions, okay? But you must understand that right here under your very nose, the U.S. is leveraging the IMF to try to get cheap goods and services and to literally suck the air out and to literally capitalize that nation. Seeing it happen in South America, too. Even though folks really, 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 I mean, really, really, really want the U.S. dollar to fall and fail. And I get it. Who wouldn't? I mean, I fucking hate empire. But I'm also economically literate, so I don't say economically illiterate things. Okay, The BRICs are not going to stop the dollar from happening. They're not going to stop the U.S. economy from happening. Oh, when the BRICs come. No, stop. The bottom line is the BRICs offer the global south the real chance to break free. As long as China and the others do not turn into the U.S., do not allow their, and believe me, Chinese economists, where do you think they go to school, folks? Do you think they go to University of Beijing? <laughs> do you think they go to University of Shanghai? No. They come to the U.S. and they go to Princeton, they go to Yale, and they go to Harvard. And they come out massive capitalists with monetarist policies, and they take that shit home, that neoliberal approach home. And Africa has been inundated with hard money, garbage, right wing economists coming back to fill their body. So don't just think because China is not the U.S. And I'm not telling you bad China because I'm, I'm pro-China, okay? But don't just think that they're going to come in there and be, you know, kittens in Africa. We've got to make sure that China doesn't do the same thing that the U.S. did, okay? And I say we, I'm not talking about U.S. company, U.S. government. I'm talking about we as people, as activists, need to be aware that no one should predate on anyone. And as long as the BRICs provide a cooperative, a win-win, then they should give that opportunity to the Africans to not get caught up in more of the IMF debt traps that Thomas Sankara died for. Folks, you got to learn your history and you got to learn about these struggles, these movements, because we are in the process of facing these things. Do you think when climate crisis really hits, that we're going to just all be holding hands and singing kumbaya and drum circles. Let me assure you, it's going to be a very violent future. Unfortunately, libertarians have won. Many of you libertarians believe in this whole hands-off bullshit, but they're very, very good with private violence. They don't want state violence, but they're cool with private violence. And that's the corporation. And the corporations are reigning supreme right now because of this free market ideology. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. All right, Colin, let's take it out here, brother. I want so badly. Folks, have you guys ever heard of a band called Slaughter to Prevail? My two favorite bands, aside from the Grateful Dead, which is weird, right? It's a strange combination here. One of them is a Ukrainian band named Ginger. Great singer named Tatiana. Check them out. 
then the other one is a Russian band called Slaughter to Prevail. And I just need you to hear this one scream just so you know how I feel inside right now. Colin, cue up the scream and then we're out of here. Have a good day, everybody. Don't forget, donate to the coups. Jordan will be out there covering the strikes on the ground. If there's a strike, please make sure you do that. And definitely, please come to Real Progress in Action to catch my show, The Rogue Scholar, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 12 noon Eastern time. And on Saturdays, we release our podcast, Macro and Cheese. And tonight, this is not one you have. You can put my face in my mug up for a moment. Tonight. If you go check out our website, Real Progress and Real Progressives, and uh, look at our events, you'll see tonight at 8 p.m. we have something called Macro and Chill. It's a Zoom call. Come check it out. We all talk and we listen to the pod together and we discuss it. We're all about learning. We're training up revolutionaries. We're training up people to see the world differently. Please come join us. Be part of it. Tonight's guest is Bill Mitchell. At least that's the pod from the Saturday. Be there. Be square. I'm out of here, buddy. Thank you very much for having me, folks.